0: Hello, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Drama Club. This week, we discuss Gypsy Rose Lee and her mother, Didi, Dee Dee, and then May talks about the twisted world of Rachel Dolezal. What up, fam? What up, fam? Good. Feels good, right? Feels good, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know it, too. I yeah. know it, does. <laughs> And without further ado, we're uh, we broadcasting live, from CA to NY. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Bruno. Hello, everyone. Hello. What's up? <laughs> Welcome to the drama club. <laughs> uh.
1: <laughs> What's up, y'all? Hope you guys are
0: enjoying your summers. Oh, your, oh
1: yeah. Your quarantines.
0: Your summers in quarantine. It's a vibe. <laughs> uh, hope you're all wearing masks right now while you're listening to this podcast. Put Ooh, your mask yeah. on. Put your mask on. In solidarity. Mask on. <laughs> Fuck it. Mask on. <laughs> <laughs> no condoms. <laughs> no oh condoms. My- but masks, yes.
1: Hey, is that song about condoms? Is that the mask?
0: I don't know. Mask I mean, on. maybe. Fuck it.
1: Mask off.
0: Damn oh. yeah, symbolism.
1: Hey. <laughs> 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 That's what we call a metaphor. That ass.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so Ellen happened this week. That's like the biggest thing.
1: Yeah, so there's been like a trickle, trickle, trickle. Ellen's people have been leaking, apparently. Not her people, but like, you know, her office has been leaking. Yeah, I
0: think that they spoke to BuzzFeed News. Mm -hmm. And they said that the Ellen show has like a history of just being a A toxic work environment a toxic work environment that's the phrase right there (laughs) yeah that like people yell at each other that it's like stressful as
1: fuck and yeah it there's problems ironically all things i've heard about buzzfeed who broke this story (laughs) yeah seriously (laughs) very true me and then
0: ellen came out and made a statement which i mean we've talked about it before like ellen is a bitch that's like known right in la like that she's awful to work for and Mm -hmm. that it's a bad place but i mean now people feel more confident and that's the whole point like that's good that right now people are coming forward to say you know that it really is a toxic work environment so they dropped this story kind of went everywhere then ellen put out a statement saying that it she's she takes responsibility basically
1: Mm -hmm. which i mean she should it's her name on the fucking door you know at the end of the day it's like what she she dictates the work environment on her show you know she has to
0: they know the people underneath her know what they can get away with yeah Mm -hmm. so um yeah she gave out this little statement and was like whatever Mm -hmm. but then plot twist um homeboy from everybody loves raymond did you see that shit no who raymond no not raymond garrett brad garrett yes brad garrett retweeted the video that ellen posted like making the statement uh-huh. and he said this is no surprise everybody oh. knows working for her is awful oh. awful yes may hold on let me get, see exactly what he wrote because i was like did not expect to get tea from you
1: i know also that's kind of shocking because comedians tend to like stand like, stick, by each other stand by each other like no matter what even if it you know even if it's not to a
0: fault yeah huh yeah So he said, sorry, but it comes from the top. He added her at the Ellen show. No more than one who were treated horribly by her. Common knowledge. Degenerous common knowledge. And then he posted the video of her sending emotional apology. Yeah. That's pretty wild. I was like, Mm. damn, ballsy move, my dude. Oh. You know what? I forget, but Everybody Loves Raymond was a super successful sitcom.
1: Huge, arguably the, like one of the biggest shows on TV at the time.
0: Mean, they're sitting on cash, that yeah. Crew, yeah, yeah, and cast.
1: And that fool has um that guy, Brad Garrett, has like comedy clubs. I know in Vegas, you oh, like always he see. Some? Yeah, you see like Brad Garrett's. Chuck Chuck Lounge, or whatever the fuck it's called. Like, <laughs> at the Tropicana. At the Chuck Chuck Lounge.
0: Yo. And to top it off, this shit went down at Brad Garrett's Chuck <laughs> Chuck, <laughs> Chuck Lounge. <laughs> Damn. That's a vibe. Uh,
1: where's uh, my. I want to get a statement uh, from my girl, Dakota Johnson. <laughs> Raymond. <laughs> i know because i love dakota
0: johnson for that so hard i know she had balls that's not the truth (laughs) yeah that was sick good for her i stan a spicy white girl hell yeah dude.
1: have you seen her house
0: oh yeah we can't even talk about that fucking she fucking they might as well have canceled that whole show after that shit we don't need to see no more houses this bitch got limes
1: yeah she did have this bitch loves loves limes. limes
0: Her hair looked amazing. Her I outfit, know. yeah. That bitch can
1: wear a blazer.
0: Yeah, and her stepdad was Antonio Banderas for a yes. bit. damn, hell yeah. You know she knows about that Spanish. And, she's-, <laughs> <laughs> and
1: yeah. she's third generation Hollywood.
0: Yeah, that shit's sick. That's a vibe too. She's a
1: third generation, and Fucking she dynasty. doesn't. She doesn't seem like
0: like you up more. about it. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah same. Mm-hmm.
0: Like very down to earth. I love yeah. it that's cool we'll forgive you for that fucking 50 shades
1: yeah and 51 shades and 52 shades however many 53 there were. 54 55 <laughs> that guy's kind of fine though
0: yeah no both good-looking people absolutely no fucking chemistry like yeah. every time i see them taking ju- i never seen the movies but mm-hmm. just like on the red carpet or interviews photos like they look like fucking robots next to each other yeah like come on <laughs> <laughs> I thought that shit was supposed to be like hot. <laughs> you think uh, they were filming in the Andes and shit? You think they ate each other's ass, <laughs> but not in the way that they do in the book.
1: Uh, not enough ass eaten. That's the that's the review of that movie. <laughs>
0: yeah, ser-
1: <laughs> two butts down. Not enough ass eaten.
0: <laughs> um.
1: Oh yeah, so then. So the BuzzFeed story dropped, and then today, like, a second story dropped after the after Ellen's statement. So yeah. now there's, like, there's allegations of sexual harassment on that set, too?
0: Yeah. Which, did you read what they were saying? No. It sounds pretty bad. So, like, they specifically called out three producers whose names I don't know because I always don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, one uh, was a gay producer would, like, grab crotches of other male Ugh workers that's not cool yeah he like grabbed someone and kissed his neck and like would Mm -hmm. ask if people are tops or bottom and that's what like everybody was saying like all of them like would make these overly sexual comments like veiled in sarcasm but it's like you can't fucking do that when you're someone's boss yeah you just can't make even if i mean it better be fucking funny you know what i mean like only a very specific person could get away with something Mm -hmm. that is like borderline right like, they have to, like, really be funny, first of all, and they, you, they have to, like, make you comfortable.
1: Yeah, it has to be someone that you don't, that you do not inspired in by. Of. Yes, yes. Yes.
0: Like, it's really hard. Like, don't do it. Just don't you do think, it. Because you probably they're... can't. Like, right. because, none of us could do it.
1: Because that's, like, one person in a thousand, really, yeah. in your workplace. Because at any second, someone on your work in your workplace can, like, turn, like, it could be, they can then be your boss. Or be in charge of you in a certain project or whatever
0: yeah and then that shit's gonna get real weird real quick yeah so yeah so and then another guy was like constantly i guess harassing women mm. and just like yeah and then like ev- all of them were making like these sexual comments uh some people asking for sexual favors no it's really bad And but see this is great like i mean obviously it's all bad but because the first group of people felt strong enough and you know, took that leap and made said something. Now yeah. you know more people feel comfortable mm-hmm. saying something, and that's really good because you want that kind of transparency, right, in the workplace. Because this shit is not fucking okay. Yeah.
1: So I hear Warner's going to investigate. Warner Brothers Studios are going to investigate.
0: Which Don't I mean, the right
1: thing. Investigate yourself, though. So right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> investigate that ass. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's not the truth, Ellen. <laughs> And on top of everything, this shit went
0: down at the Chuck Chuck Lounge, man. <laughs> Brandon
1: Garrett's Chuck <laughs> Chuck Lounge. That's the best fictitious business name I've ever heard, man. Chuck Chuck Lounge Bar and Grill. Yeah. <laughs> Chuckles. But it, in the original story, I read that like it was real shitty. Like, they would that one of the producers was going around telling their black employees that they don't bother to learn the black employees' names.
0: Ooh. Why?
1: Because <clears throat> they're fucking, uh, Yeah. Like, that's another thing that was, like, supposed to be a joke, but then also he really didn't know their names. <laughs> Jesus
0: Christ. Yeah. Man, everybody got better names than y'all. <laughs> fucking Brad, Raymond. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> i never really watched that show but i remember like it was
1: funny like if i would catch a bit of it i always yeah. laughed and shit there are funny people on it uh yeah. like the bomb on it's pretty funny yeah homegirl yeah remember no she no had- no not the not raymond's wife like raymond's oh. mom
0: oh okay remember raymond's wife like had a grip of surgery after she had her baby
1: no she didn't she did
0: yeah no but it looked bomb oh really and she was like i remember because at that time it was still kind of like tabooish ish to mm-hmm. get plastic surgery and she was like no i had this done i had <laughs> hey. this done she was just hella on top
1: of it i think oh she might yeah have- doris roberts is doris the mom, roberts huh? r.i.p yeah she's fucking funny so that but that bitch raymond's wife she has drama huh because she has like I don't, I remember like she's really, really, really right wing or something. Oh, fuck. Really? That sucks. Yeah. Ooh, what's
0: what's like her name? Patricia Heaton. Patricia Heaton. Yeah. She really didn't do anything after this, right? Well, she got that Raymond money. Yeah, they
1: don't fucking have to. That's cool. Yeah. Dude.
0: That's a goal right there. Yeah.
1: And Raymond's dad on that show is funny too. Yeah. Yeah. That guy also
0: dead R. P. David Hunt? No. No, no, no neil flynn no oof peter Brad boyle Garrett? peter boyle
1: <laughs> <laughs> peter boyle's check check cut
0: peter <laughs> boyle yeah <laughs> he like,
1: he know, plays the he plays he plays the monster in a young frankenstein
0: oh okay that's tight um. damn r.i.p for sure
1: is ben stiller's dad is jerry stiller alive? No, he no, passed he away died this recently, year. Huh? Yeah. What about um? Because now I'm thinking of George Costanza's parents. What about George Costanza's mom?
0: But that's not Ben Stiller's mom. No, 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 no. What's that lady's name? Um,
1: ben Stiller's mom died like a couple years ago. Yeah,
0: she's got a cool career. Yeah. So does uh, his dad Jerry too? honestly. Yeah. Estelle Casta- Estelle Harris is her real name, and she she's alive. Me.
1: <gasps> 92 Yay! years old shout out to you
0: oh she yes i mean i have you had a look
1: oh she looks so cute <laughs> yeah oh yeah she's yeah she got a good face damn you know she got those eyebrows tatted on too fuck yeah like
0: back in the day
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh she's the voice of mrs potato head in toy story uh-huh oh cute
0: okay anyways how <laughs> we get on this
1: oh she live um, in west hollywood okay
0: (laughs) she gonna rage or
1: what Uh, Hey, damn she's been married to the uh, now I'm stuck on Estelle Harris she's been married to the same man since 1953
0: damn 1953 yeah you're due for a new damn girl
1: (laughs) 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 right or wrong a moral decision there was, there was an incident in the NBA bubble or outside, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Or outside of the NBA bubble. Lou Williams of the Los Angeles Clippers.
0: Yeah. It had le- to be someone from LA.
1: <laughs> he left, he left the bubble for personal reasons. That's a, happened.
0: A uh, funeral. Like he had yeah. permission, right? Yeah.
1: It's happened a couple, there are a couple of other high profile players who got permission also. And then I, no big deal. You come back in, you isolate and whatever. Yeah. You get tested. You are right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which by the way, to all the COVID truthers and deniers, oh. they're, they're, they're wearing masks, right? And they're practicing social distancing. Zero cases. Yes. Anyway. <laughs> but I digress. Yes. Uh, so, so Lou Williams went to his funeral and, um, on the way back to the bubble, decided to stop off at world famous strip club, Ma- magic, City. magic city, <laughs> Well, he got found out, of course, and was served a two game suspension by the NBA. That's and, fucking <laughs> embarrassing. And he said that he was, but he wasn't there for the women. He was yeah. there for the wings. Hey, check. <laughs> Dude, just the fact that you
0: could make that argument with a straight face, they should have locked it down to one game only. I mean, <laughs> you should been like, all right, that takes balls. <laughs> How ridiculous, May.
1: But then a whole bunch of people started popping up talking about the wings are really fantastic there. So low-key, yes. now I'm yes. trying to go to Magic City.
0: I even saw this female uh, NBA reporter like talk about it. She was on Deezus and Mero this week. I think uh, her name's Teresa Roberts. Um, and they asked her, they were like, hey, are the wings really good for Magic City? And she was like, they uh, are, though. Uh, <laughs> she was like, they really are.
1: <laughs> oh, and... I think Lou Williams has like uh, wings named after him there. <laughs>
0: what? <laughs> You're going too much.
1: <laughs> no. Hold on, I'm going to tell you what. This is what like the a name sandwich of shop. <laughs> That's how much money this motherfucker. And let me tell you so he he's missing two games. So they're docking his salary, obviously, for two games. And it's like over 150000 I think $175,000 or something. So, Ouch. world's most expensive wings. Yeah, here they are. They're called the Lou Will lemon pepper barbecue wings
0: oh i don't like barbecue but i like le- lemon pepper yeah Oof. huh <laughs> hope it was worth it dude hope you actually did go for some women also otherwise uh, that shit would not uh, have been no. worth it
1: and magic city said uh they they replied to one of the reports and said we don't do curbside but we're on and doordash <laughs> That's funny. (laughs) And I saw that uh, Kenny the Jet Smith on Inside the NBA said something like, uh, he claims he was there for the wings, but he was really there for the breasts and thighs. (laughs) 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 (sighs) I haven't had good hot wings in a minute. Like, I'm talking years, maybe. Really? You don't like Wingstop anymore? You used
0: to fuck with Wingstop when we were in college.
1: Yeah, because that was like the only wing spot. Like,
0: Yeah. There's a wing spot by me called Barbecue Chicken. It's pretty bombies.
1: Even you being anti-barbecue?
0: Yeah. It's not Mm. all bar... Like, don't let the name deceive you. They got plenty (laughs) of options.
1: Yeah, there's a place... There's, like, a dive bar by my house that has good wings, but, like... Then I gotta go sit in the dive... I gotta do the whole dive bar. I think I've been there with you and your mom. Yeah, yeah. Had to do, like, the whole dive bar experience. Like, you can't just be like, yeah, let me get some wings to go. Right, right, right. Yeah, that's weird. Like other moral decisions, it will have an effect on other people. Make them also choose right from wrong. Every decision we make, every action we take, affects the lives of others around us.
0: Okay, what's up, guys? My name is Stephanie. And my name is May, and this is El Club de Drama. Thank you for listening. This is the podcast about drama, scandals, celebrities, gossip,
1: mm-hmm. hot biographies. Wings.
0: Ooh, hot wings. Mm-hmm strip club hot wings yep yep um yeah this is a two-part episode this week and i'm up first cool.
1: hey did you hear that michelle obama has a podcast now yeah i'm trying to hear oh,
0: it. oh um promote anybody else's podcast now <laughs> listen to ours michelle obama <laughs> back, back off, michelle. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> just
1: kidding uh... Yeah, I um, hear I'm the always first taken back though. by her
0: book cover. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure it's amazing because it's I'm
1: it's sure. an intimate conversation with Barack's. Ooh, <laughs> how intimate though! <laughs> hey. Fifty-five
0: shades, fifty-six shades. Talk with, about chemistry.
1: Yeah, for real. Yeah. You don't you don't like her book cover?
0: No, I said I'm always taken back because I oh. always am like God, like it's mm-hmm. so striking. Yeah. Um. Okay. So I'm gonna do Gypsy Rose Blanchard. Blanchard. Yes. For this, I used the internet. A. I rewatched uh, HBO's "Mommy, Mommy Dead and Dearest." That's so good. It's so good. And I used Buzzfeed, Buzzfeed's article on the crime by Michelle Dean. She's Michelle Dean is also interviewed for "Mommy Dead and Dearest." She did like hella, hella research on okay, the shit. Okay, cool. Uh, the story of Gypsy Rose starts with the story of her mom, Dee Dee Blanchard. Uh, Dee Dee was born in Louisiana. Her father describes her as always needing to get her way, even Mm. when she was little. She would steal her dad's credit card and run up all his bills. She would write bad checks, like if she would find people's checkbooks. Uh Uh-oh. She'd commit petty theft. She ended up working as a nursing age when she was pretty young. And then in 1997, she took care of her mother while she was passing away. And after her mother passed away, her family suspected that Didi had something to do with it. Uh, possibly oh. by denying her food
1: uh oh that's so scary dude yeah so she's career criminal uh, uh ambiguous moral morality yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah
0: sociopathic Ooh. tendencies
1: yeah, yeah 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 and she from louisiana
0: Ooh, on top of everything <laughs> that's a very specific accent might i add in I know. this uh documentary i was like take yeah. it
1: back a e from, little bit you e
0: from the bayou yeah 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 at 24 years old dd Dee Dee became pregnant by rod blankard who was 17 years old <gasps> and this is never like talked about but i hell it took a pause when i was like yeah reading that shit damn they had a quick shotgun wedding and had a daughter named gypsy rose but rod took off shortly before gypsy's birth Although he did stay involved in Gypsy's life.
1: Okay. Also, he's 17 years old. Yeah, like what were you expecting?
0: Yeah. Immediately after Gypsy's birth, her mom became convinced that she suffered from ailments. Mm -hmm. At three months, Dee Dee started taking Gypsy to the hospital for sleep monitoring because she alleged that she had sleep apnea. Mm -hmm. The tests found nothing. So, Didi persisted, convinced that Gypsy had all sorts of other issues because of an alleged chromosomal disorder. Okay.
1: It's so, does she self-diagnose this chromosomal disorder?
0: I mean, I can't even fucking say chromosomal disorder. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this bitch mm-hmm. <laughs> from the Bayou thinks she knows what <laughs> the fuck that is. So, she, she has Munchausen's by proxy, which, mm-hmm. like, I mean, most of us have probably heard this story. And basically... How do you describe that, me?
1: Okay, this is my favorite mental illness. Yeah, S- and it sounds it, fucked up to Some of the
0: best seasons of Real Housewives, Housewives? Of really Hills.
1: Yep, yep. <laughs> okay, so Munchausen's is a disease, is an illness, a mental illness in which it's almost like taking um, your hypochondriac. It's related to that. It, you believe yourself to be ill, physical ailments. Munchausen's by proxy means that you believe that someone close to you, it's usually a child or um, maybe like someone a, you take an, care of. Yeah, an elderly person or something. You you believe that they're sick. And in many of these cases, most of these cases, they make them sick.
0: Right. So that's basically what we have going on here. And Gypsy is a bebe. Mm-hmm. Sometime in her toddler years, her mom had her using a walker. Oh, God. And obviously, all of this abuse began so early on in Gypsy's life that she didn't realize that this was abuse until way yeah. later. Yeah. Like, she, this is her only normal. Yeah. Gypsy said that when she was seven, she was in a minor accident with her grandpa while on a motorcycle. Uh-huh. And she basically, like, cut up her knee. But her mom, like, fucking freaked out and talked about how she was going to need all these different surgeries and all this shit. And this is when her mom started forcing her to use a wheelchair. Oh, But Gypsy knew that she was able to walk. Yeah. When she was in second grade, her mom had her drop out of, or pulled her out of school to be homeschooled, Mm -hmm. citing the severity of all of her ailments. Mm -hmm. Gypsy taught herself to read by using the Harry Potter books. Aw. I know, that's sad. (laughs) Around this time, her mom started taking her to special Olympic events. Mm -hmm. When she was 10, her mom signed her up for some like a local parade claiming that she was eight and she was named like the queen of the town oh she probably loved that yeah they moved in with her grandparents and claimed and then their grandparents claimed that didi was poisoning the (gasps) step-grandmother while preparing Uh her food Uh uh-huh this like allegation came out because the step grandmother started having like her own chronic illness while they were living with them out of nowhere, we, basically. Yeah. Basically out of nowhere. And DD started getting into trouble again, writing bad checks and committing petty theft and shit
1: uh-huh.
0: on top of it. Her grandparents started defending gypsy. Like they mm-hmm. were like, stop treating her like that. Like they could tell that like there was some weird control over her. Mm-hmm. So DD took off with her daughter. And Mm -hmm. after she left, uh, her step-grandmother's health returned back to normal. Wow. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. When they moved out, they lived in projects and paid their bills with public assistance, granted due to Gypsy's supposed medical conditions. Mm -hmm. Plus, Rod was paying child support. Okay. They devoted their days to His lunch
1: money or some shit? Like-
0: (laughs) 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 They- (laughs) They devoted their days to visiting specialist doctors around uh, Tulane and in New Orleans. Mm -hmm. By now, Didi claimed that Gypsy also had hearing problems and vision problems. Gypsy had a muscle biopsy, which found no sign of muscular dystrophy. But through her mother's persistence, she was able to get secure treatment for other alleged issues. (sighs) This is horrendous. This is so horrible she told all of gypsy's doctors that she was having seizures so gypsy was prescribed Mm -hmm. anti-seizure medication yeah she told uh the doctors that gypsy couldn't breathe so she got breathing medication and like a breathing apparatus oxygen and shit uh they would give her pain medication anxiety Mm -hmm. medication everything
1: you know what i'm thinking of right now now that you mention it how hard it is for people of color to get medical treatment oh hell yeah you know medical racism yeah and it's like that scares man. the
0: shit out of me
1: it's really scary it's yeah. something to be scared of you could really
0: die just because like your doctor's yeah. racist
1: yeah and and it's, it could be an unconscious bias or it could be a very conscious bias like either way you're fucked yeah. meanwhile yeah. like this white woman could just be like give me this give me that give me this my daughter then, can't <laughs> breathe. yeah
0: yeah She also had several unnecessary emergency room visits for minor ailments and even some unnecessary surgeries. Oh, God. They put a feeding tube in for her, and -hmm. she had part of her stomach lining removed. Mm -hmm. This is all just based on her mom's convincing and manipulative verbal complaints and, like, verbal history of what's going on with Gypsy. It's scary. So scary. Super scary. Gypsy also... Kind of looked and played the part, albeit mm-hmm. completely unconsciously mm-hmm. and due to the duress her mom had her under, obviously. Right. She was like only five feet. She had almost no teeth. She wore these huge glasses and she spoke, she spoke in an incredibly high childlike voice. Mm hmm. Her mom shaved her head bald to mimic the appearance of a chemotherapy patient. Mm-hmm. And Gypsy was always clutching a stuffed ha- animal everywhere they went. And she really appeared childlike. Right. Whenever they would leave the house, Didi Dee Dee would take an oxygen tank with them and a feeding
1: tube with them.
0: And Gypsy said that she really believed all of her diagnoses.
1: I mean, you're, ha- you're getting surgery. You're, ha- you're given medicine. What yeah. would lead you to believe that it's not true? And kind of like,
0: ironically, the medicine that she was taking gave her all these random symptoms that because they she didn't have anything, any reason to take the medicine. Right. She said the only thing she knew was a complete lie was the walking because she was like, I know I could walk, you know? Yeah. But she just trusted in her mom that like she needed to use the wheelchair. Yeah. Dee Dee also physically abused Gypsy. Oh, no. She would hold her hand in public and squeeze her if she would say the wrong thing, especially if she ever suggested that she didn't feel sick
1: Uh uh-huh
0: and then when they were alone she would hit her with her hands and coat hangers and then later in her life started like tying her to the bed and shit no then hurricane katrina hit in august 2005 which i know we don't cover natural disasters on this show but Mm -hmm. it's such like a that's a scandal it's an incredible thing to think about right like yeah uh
1: anyways Also, more people have now died of COVID than of uh, than during that hurricane, and that was like
0: unheard of. Yeah, the worst. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Didi and Gypsy
0: left their ruined apartment for a shelter that had been set up for individuals with special needs. Mm -hmm. Didi told everyone that all of Gypsy's medical records and birth certificate was destroyed by the flooding.
1: How convenient.
0: They were then airlifted to Missouri the next month and rented a home in Aurora. Mm. While in Missouri, she continued to parade Gypsy around town. Gypsy was honored as Child of the Year by the Olay Foundation, who was set up for feeding tube recipients. In 2008, Habitat for Humanity built them a home with a wheelchair ramp. The story of a single mother with a disabled daughter fleeing Katrina just yeah. got a shit ton of press. Yeah, and then when they moved into that house, their community really rallied around them. Like they would check in on them, mm-hmm. always like ask if they needed anything, need anything from the grocery store. And Dee, Dee had set up this uh, website, and like everybody would make donations straight on that website for them. Damn. In Louisiana, they stayed at Ronald McDonald houses during appointments. They were gifted free flights to visit various specialists. They were gifted free trips to Walt Disney World, backstage passes to concerts, and various other make-a-wish wishes.
1: What? It's
0: crazy, right? It's, li- it's like that Onion article that's like, kid bankrupts make-a-wish <laughs> foundation by wishing for <laughs> unlimited wishes. That's what this bitch did.
1: <laughs> but why is she kid of the year? Like, what has she done? nothing man i
0: don't know <laughs> it's like so it's i mean and like they're not living like a lavish lifestyle i don't want to make it seem like that you know but like she's right, right. scamming the shit out of yeah. everyone and you know i love a scam
1: but i like, know but
0: not like not, this yeah, it's
1: not this one because this one has victims
0: and it's like i don't know you're playing people in like the worst way like you're like latching on to sympathy i don't know yeah
1: yeah it's almost
0: like what's her face uh theranos that shit bothers me yeah meanwhile because you end up killing like this part like those people are never gonna trust again like yeah it's true you know like it's fucked up anyways okay meanwhile her dad is still like involved in her life he would send her gifts all the time he would talk on the phone with her all the time mm-hmm. and he said that he would always make plans to go visit her but didi canceled last minute or changed it around or they would mm-hmm. fucking move like before they got into the habitat for humanity house wow she told neighbors that gypsy's dad was a drug addict and alcoholic who never sent them money and couldn't deal with gypsy's health issues Didi had some of Gypsy's saliva glands extracted in order to be able to control her drooling. What? <laughs> which Gypsy said her mom would induce by using numbing cream on gums before oh. doctor visits. The lack of salivary glands plus side effects of the anti-seizure medications caused her teeth to decay. And so her, all of her front teeth were extracted. Yeah. And then her mom would, like, parade her around without her teeth. This is the worst, the worst story ever. It's so fucked up. Mind you, she's, like, 14, 15 years old. Like, a girl of that age, the last thing she needs is her fucking teeth to be taken out. And also, she doesn't
1: know how old she is, right? No, she doesn't.
0: So, yeah. So, Dee Dee had always, she had forged, like, various copies of her birth certificate and uh, Gypsy said for like 15 years of her life, she didn't really know how old she was because it would be changing. Wow. Yeah.
1: That's how deep this fucking abuse goes. Like, you don't even know how old, how old you, are. you are.
0: Like, the most basic thing that kids yeah. at like three know. Yeah. They you know? put up
1: their three little fingers. Yeah. They're like, I'm three. Th- this many. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: On one occasion, Gypsy and Dee Dee flew out to see pediatric neurologist Dr. Flasterstein in Illinois. He was instantly subs- suspicious of Gypsy's muscular dystrophy diagnosis. Uh-huh. He ordered diagnostic tests which found no abnormalities. And he contacted uh, the doctors back in NOLA to c- confirm that the muscle biopsy had come back negative. Mm-hmm. So he straight up told Didi he doesn't see any fucking reason why Gypsy can't walk. And he had Gypsy like stand up and saw her support her own weight. Mm -hmm. So he was like, no, Didi's an awful historian and like there's no reason that this girl can't walk. Mm -hmm. He also noted the possibility of Munchausen's by proxy. And he was like the first person to really like write that down. Okay, Didi was able to fucking get a hold of Dr. Flasterstein's notes. And after seeing what he wrote, stopped taking Gypsy to see him.
1: What? But then how does it not end? Like once you suspect Munchausen's, how is that not automatically CPS- So Dr. Flasterstein
0: didn't report the meetings to social services. He says that his colleagues told him to be careful about that kind of an accusation and that others expressed doubt that anything would be done anyways. Mm. But there is a lot of criticism against Dr. Flasterstein's decision to not like to write that down and then kind of like not follow up. Yeah. You know, because that's like heavy abuse. Right. Right. I think honestly he was a bit naive. Like I don't think he realized how
1: deep sure. it went. But even the suspicion should be enough to like.
0: This is All a right, child.
1: Yeah, this is a child. Let's go have someone check it out. Yeah, I mean, because then if it's nothing, then it's nothing. Exactly. You know. But at least yeah.
0: you did something. Yeah. In 2009, police received an anonymous call that suggested that Gypsy was in better health than she claimed and younger as well. Uh A wellness check was performed and Didi explained that she used to tell some misinformation to make it harder for her ex-husband to find them because he was a drug addict and abusive. I see. And then the cops checked out Gypsy and they were like, case closed. (laughs) (laughs) Everything's looking good over here. (sighs) Top notch fucking investigation there. Right. Around 2001... Gypsy started attending comic cons and fantasy convention type events. Mm-hmm. She was able to blend in with uh, the kids at these events in her wheelchair since she got to dress up in costumes and stuff. And so, you know, wear wigs and everything.
1: Man, I'm happy for her. To, to, like to, she, some semblance of like being a normal child. Yeah. In
0: 2011, she attempted to escape her mother while at one of these events. She used her computer at home to meet a guy online And then when they went to the event, she snuck out of their hotel room and hitchhiked to his place. Four hours later, Didi found Gypsy in the hotel room with that man. Didi produced the false birth certificates and threatened to call the police on him. And he was like, hey, take your daughter. Like, yeah, (laughs) fuck. Afterwards, Gypsy said that her mom smashed their computer with a hammer and threatened to smash her fingers. She handcuffed Gypsy to the bed and made her stay there for two weeks. What? Didi told Gypsy that she had filed paperwork with the police that she was mentally incompetent so Gypsy would be unable to go to mm-hmm. police and mm-hmm. ask for help. They still had another computer though hey. and after everything like they patched things up which Gypsy says that that would happen like that they would get into intense fights and then they would patch it up. Mm-hmm. So after they patched things up Gypsy started using the internet again after her mom went to bed And in 2012, she met a dude named Nicholas Godijan Mm -hmm. on a Christian singles group. All right. He was about her age and had a history of mental illness himself and an indecent exposure charge (gasps) due to watching pornography inside of a McDonald's and fondling himself for nine hours. Ew.
1: Wait, how did they... Why did it go on for so many hours?
0: I don't know. Like, I don't think he was constantly fondling himself. Yeah. But I think, like, <laughs> once they realized it, they must have checked the cameras, right? And they were like, oh, shit, this fool's been here since 8. <laughs> he
1: only ordered two things of McNuggets.
0: <laughs> this is that. Uh, this is the the underground McDonald's documentary y'all haven't heard of. <laughs>
1: supersize me
0: supersize this dick yeah. <laughs> these nuts <laughs> <laughs> supersize these nuggets <laughs> so bad so fucked up i'm so sorry <laughs> oh. They quickly connected and they began an online relationship.
1: Oh, my God. There's this show on Netflix called Love on the Spectrum. It's so cute, me. It's adorable. It it warms my heart.
0: Me too. In 2014, Gypsy confided to her 23-year-old neighbor, Aaliyah, that she had met this dude, Nicholas, and that they were talking about eloping. Uh Uh-huh. Aaliyah didn't know that Gypsy was her same age. And honestly, Gypsy didn't know either at that time. Right. She also didn't know that Gypsy could walk and really wasn't sick. Mm-hmm. But Aaliyah was like kind of like a close friend to her. Mm-hmm. And so she tried to talk her out of the whole relationship thinking like she's way too young and yeah. scared that this dude was like an internet predator.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you think like, oh, th- he's taking advantage of her and her condition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But
0: ultimately, she thought like, oh, this is probably just stupid. Like, you know, mm-hmm. like, so she didn't take it seriously. She didn't tell anybody. Mm-hmm. Gypsy at this time had five separate Facebook accounts, which she used to talk to Nicholas, flirt with him, exchange BDSM fantasies. Whoa, how did that happen? And have a full-blown E relationship. Whoa. Gypsy says that Nicholas is the one that brought that kind of stuff in. Okay. And that he like told her that he had these different personalities. So what she did is she made up her own different personalities to match his. Okay. I see.
1: Oh, so those are like the five Facebook Facebook
0: groups. Yeah. The next
1: year, Gypsy arranged
0: and paid for Nick to meet her mom while they were in Springfield. The plan was that he was going to bump into them while they were at the movies and they were both going to be in costume because it was like the live action Cinderella, I think. So mm-hmm. she was going to be wearing a Cinderella costume and he was going to wear like the fucking prince costume.
1: These are children. Yes, You know, this is something a child thinks of.
0: Yes. This would, or like a weird Disney adult, which y'all need to get over that. That's really <laughs> weird. I don't know what, what happened to you. But this would allow him to strike up a conversation and for her to then indulge introduce him to her mother mm-hmm. gypsy said that when she met him in person she was turned off by him because he's fucking creepy oh really yeah nicholas claims that as soon as they met in person for the first time she led him to the bathroom and they had sex during the movie <gasps> gypsy does not deny this did you ever watch the show with uh, patricia arquette yeah yeah they they do show that happening in the show too yeah uh, by the way, Gypsy does not like that show. She Interesting. Not, uh, yeah, she says that they didn't ask her for any oh. like, input and that they had yeah. no right to her story and stuff. They never asked her for the right.
1: I think there's another thing in the works, too. I'm
0: sure there is. I mean, this story is insane. Yeah. So Nick flopped the meeting with her mom, but they continued on with their little Internet relationship. And finally, Gypsy confided in him the realities of her life. And from that day forward, they began developing their plan to kill Didi Dee Dee out of Gypsy's desperation.
1: But see, I'm wondering, just like knowing what we know about, like he's got some sort of intellectual disability and multiple personality disorder, maybe. Right. And Gypsy, I mean, she's been through hell. Uh, she, there's
0: no way that she's developed normally. Right. Like, exactly. Know, her I, normal is so fucked up.
1: Like. Even if they are discussing this, like how much of it do you think is them just thinking like, oh, we're just talking, like you know, fantasy, but yeah.
0: That's what Gypsy says, basically, yeah. like uh-huh. she says she didn't think that he would actually do it. So in June 2015, one night after Didi had gone to sleep, Gypsy let Nicholas into their house, handed him duct tape, gloves and a knife with the understanding that he was going to kill Didi. But then later on, she says she didn't think he would actually do it. So I don't know. Yeah. But you handed him the knife. Yeah. She's not that innocent. Right. Gypsy went and hid in her bathroom and covered her ears. Nicholas entered her mother's bedroom and stabbed her in the back while she slept. Her mother began screaming, screamed for Gypsy, screamed for help, and then died. Afterwards, Gypsy and Nicholas had sex in her room. Uh, they stole $4,000 in cash that Dee Dee had in an envelope and fled to a motel outside of Springfield. Mm-hmm. They stayed there for a few days while planning their next move. And Gypsy said that during those few days, she was really happy. She thought that they had gotten away with it. Yeah. Wow. Then these two Dumbos mailed the knife that he killed her mom with back for, to his for house. what, though? I don't know, man. Like, like they didn't want to be caught with it. Put it in the trash. And now you're, like, crossing state lines with yeah. this shit. Like, causing, God like, damn, with the USPS.
1: <laughs> just just go go back to McDonald's. Hey. Spend, uh, spend a few hours there. <laughs> <laughs> That's less uh, conspicuous than mailing the murder weapon to yourself.
0: A few days later, neighbors suspected that something was horribly wrong at the house when Didi's Facebook made a post that said, quote, the bitch is dead as her status. I don't, I don't know if you know this, but you used to do like po- like Facebook statuses uh-huh. and you would just like write something for everybody to see. So hers said, the bitch is dead. What? Minutes later, it changed to, quote, I fucking slashed that fat pig and raped her sweet, innocent daughter. Her scream was so fucking loud, LOL. End quote. What? Why are they doing this? I have no idea. I think they're trying to make it seem like she got hacked or she was kidnapped or something. So that she could uh, maybe disappear. It's honestly the most badly thought out and executed crime I can fucking think of. Like, there was such a goddamn trail to the planning of it, to how they were going to execute it. Right. To the aftermath. Like, it's so, like, it's literally two kids, like. Yeah. Yeah doing this murder with, like, absolutely no thought into it. Yeah. Uh. After nobody answered the door, police obtained a warrant and found Didi's body upon searching the home. Friends and family feared that Gypsy was helpless, likely without her medication and all of her support equipment that they thought that she needed.
1: Yeah.
0: Aaliyah told the police what she knew about Gypsy's secret online boyfriend and his name. Police quickly found his Facebook... (laughs) called Facebook, asked them to trace the IP addresses from which the posts on Didi's accounts were made of and confirmed that they were all coming from Wisconsin, where Nicholas lived. Mm. So the next fucking day, they had a warrant and raided Nicholas's family home where they found him with Gypsy. They both surrendered and were immediately charged with murder and felony armed criminal action. When Gypsy was first brought in for questioning, she pretends not to know that her mom's dead. I mean, this it's just
1: it's I just like it's so badly. It's like you said, it's like no thought at all. No, like it's so bad. They show like that
0: first when they tell her on the HBO documentary, like Mm -hmm. the footage from the, you know, the room where they question them and police, whatever. And yeah, it's like it's just so bad. You could tell she's faking so bad when the sheriff announced that they had found Gypsy did like a little press conference, he immediately warned the public that things are not what they appear and that this was an ongoing investigation and that Gypsy could walk
1: without assistance. Imagine hearing that and you're in that town that like propped these people up and... Oh, imagine you know. you're Aaliyah. Yeah. And how horrible she must have
0: felt, you know, to right. have known something and never said anything. And then... Mm-hmm. The media got the story about the truth of Gypsy's condition and their neighbors just like felt so betrayed and shocked. Leo said she was destroyed upon hearing that Gypsy had never been sick and that she could walk. They felt like Gypsy and Dee Dee had made fools of them and Gypsy's own father was shocked by the reveal because he didn't really know what was going on. He was held in the dark. Mm -hmm. Dee Dee's family said that they did not regret her death and they refused to pay for her funeral and they refused to pick up her ashes. Good riddance. Her father said that Dee Dee deserved her fate and publicly said that he believed Gypsy had been punished enough. Wow. Later they were like they had to get her ashes and her dad flushed them down the toilet. Oh my
1: God. Isn't that
0: insane, Me, Like You're- he fucking says that shit like nothing. Yeah.
1: Your own father is like, fuck her. Yeah. She got what she deserved. Wow.
0: First degree murder carries the death penalty under Missouri law, but county prosecutor announced that he would not be seeking that for either Gypsy or Nicholas Mm -hmm. because of the extraordinary and unusual case. And because of the fact that Gypsy had been a victim of long-term child abuse. Mm -hmm. Gypsy actually gained 14 pounds while in jail those first few weeks. Whereas literally everybody loses weight when they first enter jail.
1: Yeah, so this is probably, like, the first time in her life that she's eaten correctly, (laughs) like. Right, like, because her mom had her on a feeding tube. Yeah,
0: so she was on a liquid diet and, wow, Gypsy uh, settled out on a plea bargain for second degree murder, for second degree (laughs) murder, and was sentenced to 10 years in prison nicholas faced more severe charges as he initiated the murder plot and was the one who actually committed the act
1: and let me they have all the um like all the, the messages te- all the stuff. messages
0: yeah oh yeah on top of everything by the way nicholas was printing out their conversations and he had kept all of them wow so just in case the internet didn't have it on deck <laughs> that's what had paper trail
1: <laughs> oh
0: god Nick confessed to stabbing her and that Gypsy had asked him to do so. His trial was initially postponed when he did uh, he was found to be on the autism spectrum. Oh, okay. Yeah. And he had possible diminished capacity. But trial ended up going forward in November 2018. And his attorneys argued that their love-struck client had simply done as Gypsy had asked. They, so- they showed jurors all the text messages between the two, even like sexually explicit yeah. ones which showed them using the various personas with one another and Mm -hmm. like all this weird ass shit.
1: That should be enough to tell you that, you know, something's not right.
0: Right. Right? At one point it came out that Nicholas said he had considered raping Didi on the night of the murder. And at one point like that came out in the trial and everything. And then Gypsy testified on the third day of trial and said that she had considered both having him murder her mom or becoming pregnant by him as ways to escape her mother's control. But she said Nicholas never responded to the pregnancy plan, so that's why they went forward with the murder plan. I see. Jurors then found Nicholas guilty of first-degree murder and armed criminal action. (gasps) He was sentenced to life in prison with a concurrent 25-year sentence on the armed criminal action charge. Oh, he is still serving this sentence, obviously.
1: I don't like this. It's fucked up. Yeah.
0: Gypsy is serving her sentence at Missouri's Chili Coth Correctional Center. She told BuzzFeed reporters that her mother had every symptom of Munchausen syndrome by proxy. Like now that she's using the jail computer, she's like, mm-hmm. oh shit. She accepts that she committed a crime and has to live with the consequences of it. But said, quote, I feel like I'm more free in prison than I ever was living with my mom.
1: That is the saddest thing I've ever heard in my life.
0: That's fucked up, right? According to her family, Gypsy sometimes exhibits similar sociopathic manipulative behaviors as her mother to get what she wants. And I think that explains the murder plot, like the fact that she like made those different personalities to match this dude to get what she fucking wanted. That's true. It's a little sketchy, dude, but think about it. Like she's, so she's psychologically compromised because of her upbringing. Like, yeah, that's all she ever knew. So of course she was going to learn that shit. Right. Uh, Dr. Flasterstein commented about everything after it was all said and done. He said he wished he could have done more and expressed remorse upon learning of the horrific crime. Gypsy remains incarcerated and will be eligible for parole in 2024. And that's the story of Gypsy Rose Blanchard.
1: Oh, God. Free her, honestly.
0: Yeah, she's she said that, like, at the end of the HBO documentary. She's like, I think it's a harsh sentence because I don't think they take into account my life was a sentence, basically, you know?
1: Yeah. And the desperation of, like, somebody's doing this to you and you feel like there's no way out yeah you know an animal chooses paw off to like fucking get out of a trap but like the only thing that she could think of was to kill her abuser yeah it's fucked up dude yeah and what's his name nicholas nicholas go Ugh. Ugh, uh a life also that's it's heavy it's super heavy me yeah i think i think my dude had a lot of issues though i know it's a tragedy all the way around and is that how like i don't think nicholas would be a danger to anybody else <laughs> except, for <McDonald's. laughs> except for mcdonald's except for the mcnuggets oh he looks scary what's up with his beard no, he's creepy dude. he's got like head hair on his face <laughs> yeah. head hair on his face <laughs> yes <laughs> oh no i don't like that one yeah it's not a good one. one so. oh I want not like there's um so Patricia Arquette plays Dee right, but then yeah. in the in the upcoming one, it's like somebody else like really great. sick. Yeah,
0: Patricia Arquette's great because she's subtle, which I think like that's the scariness of the control uh-huh. Uh-huh. between them is like a a hand squeeze, like it doesn't sound that yeah. dramatic, but I bet that shit fucking felt like
1: knives. Yeah, for sure. No, I feel like uh, children of immigrants know about that hand squeeze. They oh, also yeah. my they also... <laughs> pinch me at, <laughs> on my legs sometimes, like under the
0: table. Yeah, man. Yeah, she, she still fucking do that to me.
1: <laughs> children of immigrants also know the like eyes getting big, like oh, yeah. behind the person that you're talking to.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, that's just fucked up. Yeah. Whoops.
1: <laughs> so, as you watch a chain of decisions in this film, try to see how various people decide what is right. Try to judge their decisions. The film will not judge. That's up to you. All right, all right. So I also have a scam of sorts because I'm going to do Rachel Dolezal. Hell yeah. (laughs) I should say hell yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Hell yeah. I was just going to
0: send you this picture. Did I save it? Of Lana Del Rey because you said you were going to do Rachel Dolezal. Did you see that fucking picture of Lana Del Rey with her new hair?
1: Yeah, she's blonde now. Yeah,
0: she looks. Yeah. I mean, she's always been basic. It's the just she was covering is her it up look
1: now, though. <laughs> like, Mom, she just I don't like know. she does not give a fuck anymore. Yeah,
0: uh. it was too much effort for her.
1: Yeah, cause she. I mean, there was like a lot she had to put in, like a fucking bump it to get that. Like, <laughs> she had to do her lips. Yeah, <laughs> she had to dye her hair. <laughs> All right, for this I watch the Rachel Divide on Netflix. And I read The Heart of Whiteness in which Ijoma Oluo interviews Rachel Dolezal, which a lot of people cite as a definitive intellectual study of her. And also, a month or two ago, I, I read Ijoma's book So You Want to Talk About Race, which is so so good if anyone wants to read something that like has to do with our current social crisis in this country.
0: Yeah. She's dope. Dope name too. <laughs> I know.
1: I'm fascinated by Rachel. I find her fascinating the same way I find like Serial killers, (laughs) scammers. Uh, Yeah, scammers. Exactly. Yeah, and also I think that what's interesting about the story is like how society reacted to it. Like we we start talking about race, and we start talking about even like trans people, and yeah, it's just like there's a lot of topics that intersect that make it really interesting. Right. Anyway, I kind of want to preface her story by saying that Rachel's a proven pathological liar. Oh, <laughs> so keep that in the back of our minds when we talk about her. And also, this story is r- really complicated. It's more complicated than you probably think. So let's let's start. Rachel was born in Montana. OK, the whitest of whites, Montana, on <laughs> November 12th, 1977 to parents who are white and primarily <laughs> of Czech, German and Swedish origin god damn <laughs> it could not get any whiter, whiter than this rachel has an older biological brother joshua who is a professor of english studies and who wrote a book about their upbringing in montana wow interesting that they're both educators although <laughs> right yeah. right yeah uh when rachel was a teenager her parents adopted three african-american children and one black haitian child okay. her parents believe that this is how her obsession with black culture began right Rachel says that it was when she, when her brother was reading a National Geographic and that she looked at the people. And I wish you Stephanie's doing the immigrant mother face <laughs> I'm right <sorry>. now. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> Don't even say National Geographic right
0: now. That should. S- <laughs> like, <laughs> what?
1: Rachel saw that and said, according to her, and says like, oh, that's beautiful. I want to be that. But National Geographic. Like a Yeah, like a zoo? Geograph- yeah, yes, like a zoo. Yes, what exactly. the fuck is wrong so, with you? Oh, okay, so Rachel's, Rachel has said that she was born and lived in a teepee and that her parents and that her family had hunted for their food with bows and arrows. Her mother stated that she and Rachel's father briefly lived in a teepee three years before Rachel was born and that Rachel's claims were totally false. From 2002 to 2006, her parents and adopted siblings lived in South Africa oh. as Christian missionaries. Rachel said she lived in South Africa as a child, but her family disputes this. So she's a liar. Right. Like, these are all, like, proven things that we can point to and say, like, she lies.
0: Just, like, making her story all colorful.
1: (laughs) She said that her parents frequently abused her. Her biological brother, Joshua, and her adoptive brother, Isaiah, have also claimed that they were abused by their parents.
0: Oh, wow. Physically?
1: Physically, yeah. Her sister shows scars in the documentary from when she was beaten. So, like, the family dynamic is fucked up. Yeah. It's... Yeah, and this is my just my two cents, what I think happens. I think so she looks at her black siblings and like what they're being put through and it's like trauma bonding. Like she almost thinks like, okay, how can we how can we become Be more of a team? Yes. Right. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, uh her sister Esther in the documentary shows the scars of being whips whipped and Esther claims that she was sexually abused by her by the oldest brother the biological brother joshua what really uh-huh oh shit and it's really fucked up because i mean that could have happened like I, I personally i believe her and yeah, rachel and rachel says that she stood up and said like oh it happened to me too to kind of back up uh esther's claim in court <laughs> And yeah, kind of like how she was like, I'm black too. Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> and now, like, Esther had to drop her. Because now, like, Rachel, her only witness, is proven to be a liar. And it's like, now... Yeah,
0: all like, credibility goes out the window.
1: Yeah, so I feel, like, really shitty. Like, she's just... Rachel's a toxic person. Yeah. So her brother, Ezra, her adopted brother, Ezra, has denied accusations of physical punishment. But he later did admit to BuzzFeed that their parents did use corporal punishment. So, I, I mean, it's fucked up. Yeah. She attended Howard University, the historically black college, and completed a Master of Fine Arts degree there back in 2002. Notice that her degree is in art, not black history, not African history, not American history. Her parents and brother said that when Rachel applied to Howard because of her artwork, the admissions office assumed she was black and awarded her a full scholarship. Oh, shit. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because her thesis, well, like her, she only really paints black people, black images. Right. And then her thesis at Howard was a series of paintings presented from the perspective of a black man. And it sparked controversy. Dean Hayes, Benjamin, a specialist on black women in the arts questioned whether Dolezal was qualified as a white woman to tell this type of story. And a lot of her art is shown in the documentary and high key. She's very talented. Oh, Yeah extremely talented like bitch why didn't you just like stick to this like
0: (laughs) (laughs) is she fucking crazy me oh damn she is really talented
1: she's so talented and she works in a lot of different mediums like she does collage she does paintings like she's so good
0: wow yeah that's intense
1: Rachel later said that she was drugged. drugged and, <laughs> I'm sorry. <What? laughs> I just saw a
0: picture of her in her fucking braids. So like, yeah.
1: Please stop. Rachel later said that she was drugged and sexually assaulted by a quote-unquote trusted mentor while attending Howard. In 2002, Rachel unsuccessfully sued Howard University for discrimination based on quote race, pregnancy, family responsibilities, and gender as, rel- as well as retaliation. Her lawsuit alleged that she was denied scholarship funds, a teaching assistant position, and other opportunities because she is a white woman. Wow. So back then she was a white woman. Yeah, when it was convenient for her. Mm-hmm. She also alleged that the removal of her artwork from a student exhibition at Howard in 2001 was, quote, motivated by a discriminatory purpose to favor African-American students over her. Ooh. Uh, historically black, black college college yes mm-hmm. her her lawsuit... i still <laughs> demand to
0: be the favorite here <laughs> she showed up and she was like i'm white what's good <laughs> this fucking george washington ass bitch
1: i'm white i'm right get used to it <laughs> her her lawsuit claimed that howard was quote permeated with discriminatory intimidation ridicule and insult. During the proceedings, the university's lawyers asked Olazal if she tried to mislead the university by posing as black in her admissions essay, where she had written about, quote, the atrocities so many ancestors faced in America in the context of black history. So some people note that this is probably when Rachel began to see her whiteness as an inconvenience. Right. And it's also about that time that she starts to attempt to pass herself off as black. Okay. And... Like, I find it offensive that what the moment where she's like, I'm black now is like when she puts on a wig. I was going to say, so what does she do to become yeah. black? She like starts tanning and she right. puts on a wig and she's like, oh, this is it. Mission That's all it is. That's mm-hmm. all
0: it is there, guys. It's a good tan and <laughs> some good hair products. She
1: she was married to a black guy around this time. Okay. Uh, a Did
0: he know she was white? <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. Yes.
1: He was a, a, a medical school student at Howard Oh, damn. Okay. And she had a son with him. Their son is so sweet and like smart. He's in the documentary, a lot of it. And just it pains me that just by her bullshit, she hurts him. And you can see he's like in pain when he speaks about his mother. And like, she's not a
0: dumb woman. She's not. Yeah. I mean, it's just she uses her wit Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. the wrong thing.
1: Evil um so she later described her relationship with her husband as having ended because her husband thought that she was too black for him oh damn yeah because she used to wear like dashikis and shit that's the other thing like okay so she claims to feel that she's black on the inside but like why does she have to be the most black like she gotta wear her hair like that why she gotta like fucking wear a dashiki like this is too much after howard rachel moved to idaho (laughs) (laughs) and took <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> and took a position at the Human's Right Human Rights Education Institute. I think she moves to a place like that because that's where she could kind of Get try away with to, it. yeah. I mean, to the extent that she possibly can, as like you know, a white woman, because you're not somebody in L.A., somebody in New York, in Chicago is not gonna like look at you and be like,
0: mm. "Fuck no!" I would yeah. love to see this bitch on <laughs> and, and see them rip her apart. <laughs>
1: In July 2010, she resigned and moved to Spokane, Washington, and stated to the local news that, quote, she had been the target of discrimination. Okay. She said it, that a noose had been left on her porch. Ooh. Her biography on Eastern Washington University's website states that while living in Idaho, quote, at least eight documented hate crimes targeted her and her children. People magazine did a story about her and they had, they chronicled all the the supposed hate crimes that happened to her, which were all investigated by the FBI, and they weren't able to verify not a single instance. There was like, back in September of 2009, she talks that that was the noose incident. Then uh, in November of 2009, she said that somebody put a swastika sticker on the door of her office. Then in 2010, she said that she was getting a lot of harassing phone calls Again, in 2010, a couple months later, she said she found another noose uh, behind her home. But this time it was she she talked to her landlord about it. And her landlord was like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. That's be, he's a deer hunter. So he oh, would okay. like so he was hang, hanging the, noose, he would, the deer. Yeah. And he's like, it's been blood on shit. Yeah, exactly. He's like, it's been there for a year. I'm so sorry. Like, n- n- no, this isn't what you think. And she's still like knowing that still went to the police. And was like, somebody's targeting me or whatever. Yeah. Then in 2015, Dolezal, who had since become the president of the local Spokane NAACP, reported that she started receive that she received an envelope in the NAACP post office box containing an 18-page letter written with harassing statements and images aimed at her. Mm. However, the envelope is not postmarked. And Dolazal is the only person known to have had the key to the oh P.O. box. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> this is like some Gypsy Rose level of planning that she did with yeah, this one. Yeah. In, in the documentary, her son, he's like, you know, he, he says it without saying it, that like he knows that some of these are false. Yeah. But well, he's, yeah. But he's like, at the same time, I know that some things have been directed at me, but he's black.
0: Right. I mean, you know? that's the problem is that mm-hmm. she completely discredits the actual, you know, uh struggles of the bla- <laughs> of a black American.
1: Yeah. yeah. So shortly thereafter, oh, just like a couple days after this alleged incident with the letter, she claims she called the police again to report that her son had been called a racial slur and was chased into a store in Spokane, but after mm-hmm. they investigated, they witnesses reported that no slur was made and that the son just like walked into a store to get some candy like it wasn't like a weird thing this is all honestly this is abuse also yes yeah so and then in april of that year two people mistakenly walked into her house because it was unlocked and they were lost and she says that the two people attempted a home invasion and she felt harassed but her son at the time who was home at the time said he wasn't scared and the people like when they opened the door, her cat ran out, and they like went out and tried to like help her find her cat and shit. So it wasn't. <laughs> but also, this is fucking weird. Like, yeah, that is weird. that is weird. White that is some country shit. shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't walk into somebody's fucking house anyway. don't no. So, this is where it's important to point out that by all accounts, Rachel was in the trenches as an activist. She was out there organizing, marching, doing good work, honestly, on behalf of Black people. So I can't connect the dots in my head about how and why someone who supposedly cares so deeply about this particular community would do something as damaging as manufacturing fraudulent hate crimes.
0: Right. Like, you could be an ally. Yes. You don't, I don't understand what this is. This is something, like, completely different.
1: This is a sickness. She 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 wants to center herself. Like, she wants it to be about her. Right. So she doesn't just want to be an ally. She also wants to be the victim. Right. And it's, yeah, it's just really, it's really shitty. That's so um, weird to me.
0: People who want to be a victim. Right. That's like the worst feeling, I think. Yeah. Like, yeah. why you seek that shit out? Damn. <laughs> yeah, I want to be you. the victor. <laughs> 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 the hell's wrong with you?
1: Yeah, you want to be the one that's in power, right? Yeah,
0: like, that's weird to me.
1: Yeah, it's fucked up. Honestly, it reminds me of Munchausen by Proxy. So it's, yeah, yeah, really similar. So she reports a few other hate crimes during the filming of this documentary, too. There was one where, like, she took a picture of it. It was like a, a banana on her car. Like, do we really be... Are, is that what <laughs> racist... Do we still, like, in America, think of bananas? I mean, as racist, you know? Like, do racists still do that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so the university where she was working, Eastern Washington University, released a statement which said that since 2010, Rachel has been hired at Eastern Washington University on a quarter-by-quarter basis as an instructor in the Africana Education Program. This is a part-time position to address program needs. Dolazal is not a professor. Like, they went out of their way to, like, make sure she's not a professor. Because Rachel had been uh, claiming that she was a professor everywhere that would listen to her say that she, shit was, yeah anyway she was teaching the black woman's struggle african and african-american art history okay you might be qualified in that yeah actually yeah, yeah. Afri- she was teaching african history i don't know about that african although i culture. never took
0: a uh, an art history class about a specific region with a professor that wasn't from that specific region actually i mm.
1: took latin american art I can't remember if the professor had a Latin professor for that. She might've been white, this mm-hmm. person. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she took, and she, so African-American culture and intro to Africana studies, despite not being a professor, like I said, she was like listing that as her title on several websites and stuff. Mm-hmm. And th- that's in part why she was elected to president of the Spokane, Washington chapter of the NAACP in 2014. The next year, when local journalists were covering the supposed threatening letters that had been sent to the local chapter of the NAACP and Rachel's probable involvement in the fabrication of the story, they were tipped off to the fact that Rachel is white and asked her in a now infamous televised interview if she was African-American, to which she responded, quote, I don't understand the question. And eventually
0: walked off. Power move. (laughs) Throw it back on them. (laughs) So, man, this is going to
1: work right here. I thought you were a professor of African-American studies. You don't understand the question? (laughs) The interview sparked what would become the firestorm. (laughs) She did what, like,
0: Tracy Morgan would do on 30 Rock. This interview is over. She just, like, (laughs) it up and left.
1: (laughs) So this interview would, this interview sparked what would become the firestorm that is what we now know as the Rachel Dolezal controversy. Yeah,
0: this is, like, why we all know about her. Uh
1: Uh-huh. Apparently, it was her sister Esther's charge of sexual abuse against her brother, Joshua, that indirectly led to Rachel's exposure. He hired a private investigator to discredit Rachel before she could testify against him in Esther's case, which was later dropped. And Joshua and the investigators tipped off the local journalists. Wow. It's so shitty. Esther has to suffer because of this, you know? Because of Rachel, yeah. Yeah, and this fucking, like, proxy war that they're having between the family. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's fucked up.
1: In subsequent interviews, Rachel would acknowledge that she was born white, but self-identified as black because she felt black on the inside.
0: Yeah, that was that was crazy. Also, yeah, you can't be self-identified as black. Wait, what is wrong? That's with not you? a
1: thing. What the hell? Then
0: she yeah. Also, co- like the idea, like just taking that narrative from like trans people, yes, like to yes. say I self-identify as this, like that's fucked up because you're it's trying really to appeal to that.
1: It's super fucked up. It's and it's like classic rachel like she's fucking up somebody else's whole struggle that they're like for her own shit balls deep in the in (laughs) the the struggle of trying to get this sort of respect and she's like muddying the waters it's like exactly what she's been doing absolutely and she also started calling herself transracial which is already a thing it's a thing that's that's when you uh, are adopted like when you're a person of color who's adopted by like a white family or something so that sure. has its own struggle and she's yeah. again like muddying the waters that's fucked up me fucking bullshit and this other woman in the documentary kept pointing out like how when she first met her like when she became the uh, president of the NAACP she's like a coworker or something she's like Rachel would always talk about Oh, my black sons like start shit off with like because of my what my black sons have to go through. Like she would always make her struggle and she would always like make the struggle about her and try to like make her struggle bigger and more difficult than like all the other people that were speaking. So if someone said, oh, yeah, I experienced discrimination at this job or something, she'd be like, oh, well, I found a noose. Jesus, you know, and my black sons are in danger. And yeah, she was she's sick yeah so let's talk about this transness because <laughs> the major difference between what Rachel's doing is rooted in deception while a, a transgendered person is being true to what and who they really are a trans woman is a woman a trans man is a man and like the more the science comes in the more it's looking likely that being transgender just like sexual orientation is something inherent within a person they're born that way and You know, it's probably just a matter of time before we find a biological or genetic source. Meanwhile, science continues to show that racial differences, aside from the obvious superficial features, have nothing to do with genetics. And there are no differences in the human brain between people of one race or another. Also, we're assigned a gender at birth as opposed to like our ethnicity, which is inherited. Right. You know, she inherited her whiteness. No one assigned. You don't get assigned white at birth. And she's like, no, this isn't me.
0: You get assigned blue. And then these people have these blue flags because of blue lives and shit, apparently.
1: Rachel was either fired or forced to resign from all of her positions and eventually said she had to change her name in an effort to find work because she's unemployable and on the verge of homelessness. She changed her name to Nakechi Amari Diallo
0: oh gosh wow <laughs>
1: there's a she gets a new wig towards the end of the documentary to go get her new driver's license photo with her like new name on it yeah so like so she puts on this new and it's like the most offensive wig honestly because it's like it's a like border, an afro it's like <laughs> a borderline afro and like she puts it on and like she she sews it in and she looks in the mirror and she says the catchy oh
0: shit <laughs> like she became Ready her in that close-up. moment <laughs> yeah
1: Rachel has since published her first book on race in full color, Finding My Place in a Black and White World, which, by the way, the documentary reveals, only sold a few hundred copies. Ouch, Charlie. In it, she compares her "quote unquote" struggle to slavery.
0: <gasps> May. Yeah, yeah. Damn, uh, what is this? What, wh- the what hell is, is it? This? What is it?
1: It's weird. It's what gross. is this?
0: Like personality disorder
1: no idea it's, this is it's the unbearable whiteness of being is what it yes. is <laughs> <laughs> no you didn't <laughs> oh shit so she makes her money now by uh braiding hair she, oh yeah she's a hairstylist <laughs> wow uh, rachel has argued many times that her insistence on black identity on black identity will not only allow her to live in the culture that she says matches her true self but will also help free visibly black people from racial oppression by helping to destroy the social construct of race thank you blackface white savior yes okay (laughs) all right there so Ijoma in her article says that if dolezal's identity only helps other people born white become bl- black while still shielding them from the majority of the oppression of visible blackness and does nothing to help those born black become white how is this not just another form of white privilege It is. And <laughs> it is
0: like she literally like she was like i'm gonna become black because it was hard for her out of that all black college yes so exactly she was that. like you know what i'm gonna become black now
1: yeah and i mean and that's the crux of this it's like the ultimate example of white privilege yeah because people of color can't do that i mean obviously there well, are like the but white the small... people always
0: get what they want so she yes. just was like
1: i'm just gonna do this now right yeah. right and you all better deal with it and if you can't deal with it i'm gonna redefine what it means to be black yeah you know like it's just major it, it's bullshit insane. yeah uh I think it was last year. This bitch is crazy. <laughs> There's no other way to put it. Case closed. Caso cerrado. <laughs> uh, and then like last year she got in trouble because of welfare fraud. It's like. <laughs> <Man>. No. <She's...
0: laughs>
1: That's so fucked up. <laughs> like, she's obviously she's unemployable. <laughs> right. So she can't get a job. And so, like, she's on welfare. Okay, sure. But then she got paid a little bit for her book, but she didn't declare those funds. So Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So then she owed the state. It's It carried a 15-year maximum sentence. Obviously, they're not going to give her that. But right. she let it down, and she ended up getting, like, 150 hours of community service or some shit. She had to pay the money back. But, Yeah. Oh gosh! Anyway, that's the story of Rachel Dolezal. Oh if, my gosh! If, if you can't, if you okay, if you can't find a job because you have your Rachel Dolezal, why do you change your name to Nakechi Amare Diallo? Why don't you just say change your name um, to like Sarah Jones? Yeah, you know.
0: Yeah, take that
1: wig off. Take yes, take your
0: wig off. <laughs> Go live a nice little white life.
1: Oh, wash off the tan. Yeah, raise your kids. She does. I mean, I'm complicated I feel weird about. Her relationship with her children, because, like I said, I feel like it's borderline abusive. Like, just like her own shit, what she's putting them through for no fucking reason. That weird
0: thing of like stealing their struggle to like use as her own—that's super weird. That's almost like some dance mom type shit.
1: Yes, yes, yeah. It's 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 weird, but she is very loving to them. Like she seems like a very loving mother. So there's like this weird like I I don't like it. Yeah, it's fucked up. That's super
0: complicated. Yeah. Ooh. And
1: she and she does seem to care like her siblings. She adopted her her oldest um adopted si- sibling to get him out of that abusive um household. Wow. Uh so she, and then her sister she didn't adopt her but they they seem very close, close. like a, yeah. That's insane. What a crazy mm. story me. Mm. I'm sure we haven't heard the last of
0: her. Obviously. Oh yeah, we've, of course not. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> well, that was this week's episode of Drama Club. Uh hit us up next week for our brand new mini episode. Hit us up on Instagram and Twitter at Drama Club Pod and on the website dramaclubpod.com.
1: On the hotline, 505-539-0556 at our PO box. PO box number 27433-L-A-C-A-90027. Only Rachel Dolazal has the key to that one, so be careful. <laughs> <laughs> only sending 18 page page uh, fucking letters. I'm not reading that. <laughs> Leave us a review wherever you listen to the podcast. Give us a tip, dollar, a couple dollars on our website, hey. and we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. However,
0: whatever with your helmet.